Dear listeners, welcome to Faces of Digital Health, a podcast about digital health and how healthcare systems around the world adopt technology with me, Tiasha Zaitz. Patients dream about reliable and clinically meaningful digital innovations that would help improve their health in a smooth way. With the digital health market maturing, startups increasingly need to not only offer a good user experience, but also comply with rigorous regulatory requirements and test their solutions in clinical trials. They need to go through long certification processes. For a few years now, Germany has in place a clear workflow for making digital health apps reimbursable. At the moment, there are 35 digital health apps in the DIGA repository. And I added the link to the repository in the show notes so you can browse through what's approved and can be prescribed by doctors in Germany. France is on its way to adopt a similar framework. So in today's episode, you will hear more about what companies need to do to get certified and reimbursed in Germany. I spoke with Jörg Trinkwalter, the Managing Director of Procurement, a young startup that developed a telemedicine digital care solution for patients with heart failure. Procurement is participating in the current cohort of the EIT Health DigiNovation Program. The DigiNovation Program links startups with an international consortium to accelerate the reimbursement of digital health apps in Europe. York explained how procurement is preparing to have their application included in the DIGA repository and how they're working with the regulatory body BFARM to achieve that goal. We also spoke about the DigiInnovation program, York's expectations about the French market and how procurement is addressing the needs of patients with heart failure. This episode is supported by EIT Health Germany. EIT Health Germany is one of the eight knowledge and innovation communities currently funded by the European Institute of Innovation and Technology, EIT. EIT Health Germany connects 150 renowned partners from the industry, research and education from Germany, Austria and Switzerland. If you're a startup working in the field of digital health or biotech and don't know EIT Health German yet, I would encourage you to visit eit-health.de, that's eit-health.de, where you'll find more about innovation, acceleration and education programs. This is the 7th out of 12 episodes prepared in collaboration with EIT Health Germany. Let's dive in. York, you have a very rich uh, background and actually wear uh, many hats. You're the CEO and co-founder of the Medical Valley and you're the managing director of Procurement. Can you tell us a little bit about all the roles that you are currently taking care of? As you have mentioned, so I was many years CEO of um, a cluster management organization called Medical Valley. By the way, Medical Valley was one of the 
let's say, co-founders or founding partners of um, EIT Health back in the beginnings of 2015-16. And I, let's say, had quite a journey there. But after 13 years of serving Medical Valley, I decided in April to start a new adventure. And this is now with procurement. So currently I'm not... Um, no longer, let's say, um, CEO of Medical Valley. I'm currently 100% focused on my role at um, Procamp. Before uh, we dive further into what procurement does, I want to just highlight what issue you're addressing in healthcare, and that is management of heart failure. Uh, heart failure is a gradual weakening of the heart uh, and prevents the heart from pumping as blood as well as it should across the body. And this can gradually uh, lead to various even fatal uh, incidents from kidney damage or failure to liver damage, heart rhythm and heart valve problems. There are various apps on the market to assess the heart failure risk score, apps that help patients record their symptoms and manage medications, apps with educational materials. So where does ProCareMent come in? You offer a, a tailor-made solution for setting up telemedical centers. So can you explain a little bit uh, more in detail what exactly are you providing for patients and providers? First of all, it's very important to understand that we are empowering existing healthcare providers to implement so-called hybrid care concepts for heart patients. Procurement has a so-called B2B2P as a business-to-business patients approach. As you might know, since since April uh, 2022, doctors can get an, an extra budgetary reimbursement for telemonitoring of heart failure patients here in Germany via telemedical centers. And we are in the end, let's say, kind of service providers, infrastructure providers to these telemedical centers here um, in Germany. We have we have an app. This is this app is connectable to um, Bluetooth devices like a blood pressure monitor, like a oxygen saturation device, like a six channel ECG. You can automatically transfer your um, measured data into this app. This app is a CE certified uh, medical device. And with this app, you have a, a, a lot of more functions like uh, like a diary, like uh, electronic health record integrated, like wiki function where you can get, let's say, very, very important knowledge around your current health stages and about heart failure in general. But this is, let's say, the one pillar of our concept. We have also a care center. We call it a care center. So we employ heart failure nurses here um, at Procarmen. So the, let's say, the measured data of the patient are transferred to dashboard. And on this dashboard, we have algorithms. We have triage system implemented, which is, which does a triage of the patient based on the transmitted data to the, to the desk dashboard. And here the, the care center can, let's say, proactively reach out to patients in order to see if there are, let's say, false measurements or if there are any, let's say, issues around the health status. And, and so, so we are, let's say, extended workforce of the physician with our care center. 
Third pillar is a web portal. This is an interface between us and the healthcare profession. And how is the whole business model designed? Which, who basically pays for the service? Is the app that the patient uses in the end, is it free for the patients to use? Or is it something that's reimbursed and the part of the apps that can be prescribed by doctors? And we have two business model. The one is that in, in Germany, telemonitoring is reimbursed for heart, for chronic um, heart failure patients since April this year. In this case, the, the doctor receives an, a reimbursement if the doctor is a, is a telemedical center and has the allowance to, to do the telemonitoring of chronic heart failure patients. And then let's say we have a contract with the physician and he pays us a service fee for our app and our services around the, the TMC. You have to see that, let's say, if you like get this kind of reimbursement as a physician for your telemonitoring services, you need to come with an app, as with a CE certified app and with algorithm-based dashboard and so on. And we are providing this to the healthcare professionals. So for the patient... And this service is free of charge as it is covered by the payers, by the public payers and the private payers. And besides that, we are also trying to establish a DIGA. So this is, let's say, a prescribable medical app. You have to understand that within the TMZ model, you can only enclose patients with specific, let's say, criterias. Yeah? So this means patients are classified in NUHA classes. And you can only enclose patients um, of the NUHA classes 2 and 3 to the tem, uh, telemedical center model. And uh, therefore, we are trying to establish a DIGA covering all other NUHA classes around there. If you, let's say, if you are a patient which fulfills the criteria of the TMZ model, so means NUHA classes 2 and 3, then you um, can get our services uh, and you get the reimbursed services via the TMZ model. But if you're, for instance, a patient of newer class one, you are not covered by the reimbursement for the telemedical centers. And therefore, we are trying to establish a DIGA. And if we would be successful, so I have to, I have to say would, if we would be successful in establishing a DIGA, then also the, let's say our app and services are Free of charge for the, for the patients of the newer classes once, one, for example, because they, these costs are then also covered by the payers. Mm -hmm. Let's say you have a patient that's not happy with his healthcare providers. They can't come directly to your uh, providers. Apparently not. So we do not have any self-payer service, um, so far. And again, we are trying, let's say, this is, so we are not trying to act like a, a classical teleclinic or something like that. So means um, we are not trying to bypass existing healthcare providers. Our, let's say, ambition is more to empower existing healthcare providers, let's say classical healthcare providers, and empower them to implement a new hybrid care concepts. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Faces of Digital Health podcast. If you haven't yet, do subscribe to the show to be notified about new episodes automatically. And by the way, 
we recently started publishing a monthly newsletter where you will get information about the latest episodes or currently relevant episodes from the past. It only comes out once a month, so we definitely will not spam your inbox. Find the link to the newsletter in the show notes. Now let's go back to today's discussion. How are you approaching healthcare providers? Because uh, Germany has been quite recognized before COVID already uh, around its efforts to push digitalization one step further uh, when it comes to healthcare. During COVID, uh, many countries have implemented uh, telemedical approaches. So I thought it was very interesting when you said that this telemedical approach is funded or reimbursed since April 2022, so April this year. So how did that actually happen? Was that, in your assessment, a natural development in the way Germany thinks about healthcare digitalization or more a consequence of the broader movement that COVID caused to increase the remote access to healthcare? And so I think in this case, it's not COVID related. You have to see that there was a big study in, in, in Germany. This study was called Fontane. It was done by the, by the Charité in Berlin. So this was really a, a big study, which showed very positive effects about telemonitoring of chronic um, heart failure patients. And so what, let's say what, what happened is that these, this study there were mass, there were more studies also on the international showed a very strong evidence that telemonitoring of chronic heart failure patients has a lot of positive um, effects. In the study of the Charité in Berlin, the Fontane study, so they enclosed uh, 1,500 patients over one served by 113 cardiologists and um, 87 GPs. And uh, the study showed with, within one year, a significant decrease of the, the hospitalization rate, a decreased mortality and a decrease of unplanned hospital admissions, um, for instance. And this always in uh, comparison to a conventional treated control group. And so there was a strong, a strong evidence in terms of, let's say, patient outcomes, but also, let's say, on an, on, on a health economic. And this, let's say, was the, the basic for, for, let's say, for the transition of these kind of studies into a frequent or a regular reimbursement scheme here in Germany. When was this study published? This study was published, I think, 2019. Oh, yeah. So that's exactly the year that your company that you're managing was also founded. So that's why I was just wondering if there's a correlation that gave you an additional boost uh, as a company to look at telemedicine approach to manage uh, chronic heart failure. Procamen company was started, let's say, because one of the founders, he was, he was a consultant within Siemens Healthineers and he had consultant projects in the US, concretely at the hospital group called Mercy Health. And they ran a project to this time um, called Mercy Virtual. So they, they, they were, they planned to establish a virtual clinic concept, always in a hybrid, in a hybrid way which means not fully virtual, always with assistance through care centers. And he was so impressed by this, by this, by this plan and by this strategy. And so that as he came back, he started 
and to think about these kind of concepts here uh, in Germany. And then let's say, and then you are totally right. I think this telemonitoring has a positive effect for all chronic diseases, but you have to start with, with one in order to establish an app and the technology behind it. And as he had also a background as heart surgeon, and as there were, let's say, very promising study results from, from Fontane, they decided to focus on chronic heart failure patients. The company is now three years old and you're also currently running a study to collect medical benefits and positive healthcare effects of app-based guideline compliant patient support. Can you tell me a little bit more about uh, what exactly is this study about? What are you expecting from the results and what was the main motivation uh, for this study? Yeah, so the main um, motivation is that, as I've mentioned before, we are trying to become a DIGA here in Germany. And in order to become a DIGA or to get the preliminary listing of the B farm as a DIGA, you have to show study results. We started the study in April 2022. We have now 100 enclosed so far. And our objective is to enclose 500 patients in the upcoming months. I have to say, due to the DIGA regulations, it's not allowed to publish any study results um, before end of 2023. So this is, let's say, part of the, of the DIGA regulations. But what I can tell you is that we already finished a pre-study last autumn with 70 patients here in, in Nuremberg. And what we could show here um, where very positive effects for, let's say, most of the targeted areas, concretely health status, quality of life, self-care of patients, as, as well as health literacy. As, so we could show, let's say, improvements there. And I think this is, let's say, one of the most decisive parts of all these studies. We try to show and measure guideline conformity of the physicians and the patients, which will in the end also have uh, a massive um, effect on adherence and with that very positive health effects. Mm -hmm. Does DIGA have any requirements in terms of how many patients need to be included? No. So you have to, let's say, go to the BFARM, which is the national authority for the, the, the DIGA process, and you have to decide or to negotiate the study design with the BFARM. So uh -huh. this is, let's say, based on your, your disease, what you are targeting and many other um, aspects. The reason I was uh, wondering about that is because uh, as digital health market matures, we're seeing increasing demands for clinical validation and robustness of applications. And it was interesting to see a U.S. Uh, research paper that was published in June that analyzed 224 U.S. digital health startups with an average age of 
7.7 years. And these companies were scored from 1 to 10 based on their clinical robustness, and only 20% received a score of 5 or more. So I'm wondering, what trends are you observing in Europe in terms of the demands for robustness? And uh, how do you see that this is shaping the future of the digital health space? Yeah, I see or I observe um, that startups here in Europe have to fulfill many regulatory uh, requirements in order to have a chance to get reimbursement, for example, as DIGA. DIGA, for example, requires a CE certification class 1 or 2A. It requires scientific pre-study results. It requires strict data protection, data protection regulation, always, let's say, um, according to GDPR requirements. And you also have to, you, you also need to be certificated ISO uh, 27001, uh, which is a data security, data protection um, standard. So you have to fulfill a lot of requirements. And if you then face customers, in our case, the telemedical centers, clinics, or big doctor networks, you will al always, let's say, be assessed based on these kind of preconditions or requirements because they run their own um, analysis with their own legal and data protection departments. So let's, what I can say or observe is that I see a clinical validation, a clinical robustness given here in uh, Europe. What is more difficult from my perspective or from my point of view, all aspects in terms of interoperability here in, in Germany and uh, Europe. So as you might know, here in Germany, we still have a lot of proprietary heritage software systems in the clinics and practices in place. And these systems come along with no or just very limited uh, open interfaces. So, um, and I see this, that this has also a massive impact on uh, usability for the healthcare professionals, but also, let's say, for the patients. And um, I see this, let's say, as a hurdle or as a challenge for the startups in terms of uh, clinical validation and all the regulatory issues that are barriers yeah, or hurdles. But if you, let's say, are able to, to, to achieve CE mark, for instance, I think you fulfill really a lot of requirements. One regulation on the European level that causes headaches to many um, software or medical device uh, providers and vendors is the medical device uh, regulation. So I wanted to ask you about uh, uh, your thoughts as well, because procurement is at the moment MDD certified and you're working towards the MDR certifications. Could you explain from your perspective, how did you approach certification? It meant for us that we have in our team people with regulatory knowledge and we had also very experienced consultants and uh, let's say we prepared from the beginning everything MDR conform if we are currently you've mentioned MDD certified what does mean this means that we are trying to be to become the MDR certification 2023 but currently from our let's say from all our processes quality management risk management system we fulfill today the MDR criterias. And I think this is very important because, as you might know, we have to 
we have to switch to MDR latest May 2024, as this is the end of the transition phase. I think this is, let's say, a very critical thing every startup, every um, innovator has to have in mind. What would your advice be to companies that have not yet undergone the MDR certification process? Are there any learnings that you think are useful for others to know? <laughs> I can uh, only say start now because um, as you might know, one of the problems is that you have long waiting lists at the notified bodies. So the one thing is that you have to do your homework uh, and implement uh quality management systems, risk management systems, and so on. This is the, the one-hand side. The other side is that you need then a notified body to audit you and to finally give you the certification. And uh, this is really a bottleneck in the process. I can only recommend every startup in, in digital health that, that that is very critical and you should start immediately to, to tackle these MDR questions. The reason we went through this whole discussion about the reimbursement process and how you approach the legislation and requirements for you to even be able to operate on the German and other European markets was also because um, you participate in the DigiNovation program by EIT Health, which helps startups through reimbursement processes of digital health apps in Europe. So I think now that we've outlined a little bit uh, the complexity of the issue. Can you tell me how did this program help you? Um, because the challenge with Europe is that each country has very specific requirements on top of the European legislation. Our EIT Health Project is together with Sanofi France and Digital Pharma Lab from Paris as we are trying to get uh, market access um, with our solution in France via this program. I think you have to know that the French government decided to adapt the German DIGA systems in, a, in also in France. And, and so we are waiting for a law or a, a regulatory framework for a French DIGA. And I think this is very uh, crucial to understand because this, let's say, opens and really and after Germany, the second biggest market in, in Europe is France. And let's say it's in, in the near future, we will have also reimbursement schemes in place there for digital therapeutics, for telemonitoring services and so on. The EIT Health Project with all the partners and knowledge around us help us to gain very valuable insights into this process. As I've mentioned, we have Sanofi France and Digital Pharma Lab in our project and they provide their market access expert to us. They provide access to their French ecosystem partners to us. They make connections to key stakeholders in the systems like hospitals, public bodies, payers. So we are able to gather a lot of insights into this process in order to um, prepare our market access to France. And in addition to that, I think EIT Health is, this is a really a great network and it's also helping us a lot in order to connect with other valuable in France and beyond. And we also get market insights from EIT Health and they provide marketing PR support to us to increase visibility. I think all digital innovation is a very good chance for us to explore 
market opportunities in France. We hope that we can tackle the French market 2023 and and the years after. How long does the whole uh, program last? Do you think it's possible to assess how much time you would need to get all the information that you got through this program if you were trying to get uh, the insights on your own? So this, this program is only a six-month six program of EITF. So um, it's finished end of 2022. And I think, let's say it's just within the six months, we will um, have or we will get a very clear picture about French reimbursement schemes. And also we will have a very clear market access strategy for, for France. When do we have to submit which document to which authority and so on? I think this is, this is um, absolutely uh, doable. And without the Digi Innovation Program of EIT Health, we weren't able to, to do this program this year. So I think the, the EIT Health Digi Innovation Program accelerated our thinking and our market access strategy to France at least six to 12 months. You mentioned earlier that you decided to try to address the French market because of how the French digital health strategy is looking up to what Germany um, has done. Based on your knowledge so far, is there uh, anything, any reflection that you can offer on the French digital health uh, landscape or how healthcare system is uh, approaching digitalization compared to Germany, which also has, again, especially under the previous health minister, had many um, funding for digitalization of uh, healthcare institutions and the infrastructure on the national level. So far, our observation, our insight is that France will most probably come up with uh, a legislation that telemonitoring of chronic chronic heart failure patient is also reimbursed in France starting January 2023. This means that there, there will be a, a regulatory framework that you can use telemonitoring for chronic diseases. That's the one thing. And they will also come up, let's say, with kind of an, with an framework for, they call it digital medical devices, DMDs. Um, this is, let's say, the, the synonym to the, the German DIGA. And they will also come up with a framework. We expect the, at uh, this framework for, to be published in September or October this year. How many doctors are you working with and how many patients are currently getting uh, telemedicine through your services? Yeah, as in Germany, the regulatory framework is in place since April 2022. You can uh, imagine that this is still a very new, a very explorative market. And But what I can say is that telemedical center you have to see this is always an integrated care network, yeah. So consisting of cardiologists, of GPs, and so on. And up to now, we have contracted um, four telemedical centers here in in Germany, and each of these telemedical uh, centers is covering regions of up to uh, 100 physicians and thousands of patients. Our objective is that that we are able. To, to win up to 20 of these telemedical centers in uh, 2022 and get around 1,000 patients under management. So this is our ambition for this year. 
And as this is a very new, a very fresh market, sales and decision cycles are pretty long. But uh, we are really convinced to achieve these goals. Given the size of the German market and the size of the French market, I kind of find it interesting that you went uh, so quickly to the um, second market that's also very huge. Obviously, that the potential, I don't know, some companies take the strategy to go through countries in the Dach region first. Considerations there? So we are in uh, discussions with partners in Austria, indeed, to start also telemonitoring services there. But this is, let's say, also in a very um, early stage. So our main thinking is currently to to gain market shares here in Germany to establish our DIGA in Germany and then to have a focus also in, in accessing the, the French market. I think uh, it's very uh, smart for you to be ahead of the market by already following what the legislation is going to require. So when it's out, you're already basically ready to, to go to the market without any additional need for any um, certification and other requirements because you're already going to have all the experience. Yes, but you also have to see we are not alone, right? So there are competitors out there in Germany and in France. So uh, in the end, we have to come up with a clear USP and these USPs are mainly, let's say, based on our product and services. So we, we have to, to work on that. And on the, let's say, mid and long-term perspective, this is also a very important point. I think it's we are gathering um, a lot of very interesting um, data with our healthcare provision solution, right? We gain a lot of longitudinal uh, real-world data, and we are also, let's say, trying to to come up with, with products based on these data points. And so, for instance, digital biomarkers or clinical decision support systems. So this is, let's say, our strategy for the mid- and uh, long-term perspective. We have to be quick because... Let's say there are other players out there also trying to take these markets. You've been listening to Faces of Digital Health. If you haven't yet, do subscribe to the podcast and check out the link in the show notes. I added the links to the DIGA repository. You can find more about EIT Health Germany. And there's also the link to our new monthly newsletter. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.